Welcome to season four of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. Over the past three years, we've been featuring exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. We'll continue that this season, and we're taking it up a notch as we seek to bring you cutting-edge insights not only about marketing, but about all aspects of your journey as an author. We can't wait to share everything you'll need to be successful in spreading your important work with the world. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm also the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence, the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause, and a strategic book marketer, avid reader, runner, mom, and wife. Thank you for choosing to learn with me, and I hope you'll take action as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review to help us reach more listeners. Also, be sure to visit weavinginfluence.com and click the blog tab to find all the notes and links for each show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Robinson, and I'm so thrilled to be joined today by author Robbie Samuels. And uh, Robbie, I would love for you to start us out by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work in the world. Yeah. So before the pandemic, I spent over a decade working to become recognized as a network expert with a focus on networking at conferences. And half that time I was employed working in the world of nonprofit and fundraising events. I left that world at the end of 2014 to become full-time in the world of entrepreneurship and needed to figure out like my new audience is going to be. So I subsequently launched a podcast, which I'm still hosting seven years later. Uh, My first book came out in 2017, group coaching program that I got to do to uh, write an article for HBR, did a TEDx talk. So I was poised to be an overnight success 10 years in the making, January of 2020, when my TEDx came out. And then two months later, nobody needed to know anything about networking at events. And I had to find a new way to show up and offer value. So the short story is that I hosted a virtual happy hour on March 13th, 2020. And about eight months, yeah, about eight months later, I had a thriving six-figure business based on all new revenue streams. And I had reinvented myself as a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer. And I get the question a lot, how did you do that in the middle of a pandemic? So my second book answers that question. It came out in late 2021. And I just published my third book about Zoom because I have three plus years experience of helping people um, design these transformative, engaging, and inclusive online experiences. So I've had a few hats over the years. I'm a business growth strategy coach as well, which is a large part of how I turn my own story around. And uh, I love giving away knowledge, like being interviewed is one of my favorite things. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. And my guess is I'll probably invite you back again, because there are so many things that you have learned and could share, not only related to the topic for today, but also, you know, virtual events could be another topic for another day. So for today, what I really want to focus on, Robbie, is this impressive feat that you recently accomplished in driving over 200 Amazon reviews for your third book in a very short period of time. So first, why don't you tell us what you did, and then let's talk a little bit about how you did it. Well, I will say that I actually, all three of my books have over 200 reviews. And uh, my first book back in 2017, when I started that process, I had about 300 people on my email list, and they were not the right people. (laughs) 
uh, I had a hodgepodge, you know, I didn't quite know exactly what I was working on for the previous few years when I started finally building an email list. So it wasn't quite the right people. So I knew that part of having a launch team for my first book, which is Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences, that I wanted to use it to really attract and identify the people that would be the right people for my email list. And I actually managed to get over 300 people on my launch team, many of whom had not yet been on my email list. So it was a way to really jump that list from you know a little over 300 to probably a little over 500 people, but now leaning more towards the kind of people I want to be reaching. Um, that one, my goal was to have 100 reviews by the end, uh, by my launch day. And I'm not a person who thinks myself even three books in as a writer. And so writing has never been the part that's my favorite. I love the marketing part so much more. But I had this moment when I was writing the first book when I realized, oh, this is going to be a good book. <laughs> oh, this book. And this is actually going to happen. Like I, I went past the disbelief to reality and I thought, well, then I want people to read this book. And so I actually postponed my published date in order to really build in time for the launch because I hadn't given enough thought to it. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of authors skip because they're really focused. Sometimes they really love the writing process. Sometimes they don't. But just getting the book out of your head and onto paper is difficult. But then I'm like, okay, I want people to read it. So this third book, it, it was a little bit different. But I guess my second book, I want people to know I was a business growth strategy coach. So I wanted to establish that I had coaching and masterminds. And this third book, I want to use it to have my network refer me in the right way. I want my network to know that I'm able to produce Zoom events and do trainings and speaking on this topic. And so all three times it was about waking my network up to what I was working on and giving them really tangible tools that they could use in a DIY fashion, find real value in it, and then think, oh, I actually have experienced Robbie's work. I now feel like I'm comfortable referring Robbie. And so for all three, I built launch teams, um, one bigger than the last. This last one was 650 or so people. So it was a huge launch team. There are still 400 people. And if you're listening, I know who you are, <laughs> who have not yet posted a review on Amazon. It's never too late. <laughs> but I wanted to have 200 reviews by the end of March. And my book came out on March 13th. Um, what I will say is about a third of the people on your launch team, in my experience, with a lot of help, with a lot of support, will post their review in the time frame that you're hoping them to do it. You'll get more than that over time. But if you want to have 200 reviews, you need 600 people. <laughs> if you want to have 50 reviews, you need 150 people. And then you really have to nurture that list. So I have lots of thoughts about you know, how to nurture those folks through the steps. But that's essentially what I did. I thought about what the number was I wanted. So the first book I wanted hundred, so I aimed for 300 people. And I had 150 within the first week of my first book. And this last time around, I think I had 209 by the end of March. So it works. So th that the numbers are very similar, Robbie, to what I tell our clients. So what I've experienced is anywhere from 10 to 40% of people will leave a review within the time frame that you specify. And so what I'll often say is take whatever number of reviews you want in the first month and multiply by three or four. So it sounds like what I've seen across 200 campaigns is pretty similar to what you've seen in your three launches of your three books. So tell me a little bit about how you set up your launch teams um, as, as a kicking off point for this conversation. So I think uh, a really 
frame of this is that I want to ask people to do me a favor, but then I want to make it as easy as possible for them to follow through on that. So I think a lot of times I've been invited to be on a launch team and I say, yes, I make a note of it on my to-do list. And then over time I rewrite that, that note. And all of a sudden, all I see is this word that says Becky. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what was I supposed to do? And then I'll like have these moments of, oh my God, I was supposed to write something. And I'll then have this like panic moment. Oh, is it past? What was the book? Where's the link? You know, like what's the timing? And then it becomes a stress point. And then I actually kind of want to avoid Becky because I'm like feeling bad that I forgot to do the thing that I said I was going to do. So I never wanted people on my launch team to have that moment of doubt. So I kind of go in the other excess, which is I basically say, all I'm asking to do is to commit to writing a review. And I'm going to support you along the way. I'm going to make it really easy. And so the first part of that process is I actually start talking about this while I'm still writing the book. So I don't wait for the book to be finished. I think my uh, launch team for this last book officially launched in uh, beginning of December and the book came out in mid-March. That's because at that point, I was talking consistently about the book and I can't keep track of people who offer to help by posting a comment on, you know, this thread or sending me an email or writing me a text. So I want to funnel all those lovely offers of support to one place. And so I make a landing page and at the very least, that would be my recommendation. But I go one step further and I actually, the landing page then sends you to a thank you page, which is actually a Google form and the Google form about 80% across all three of my campaigns, um, 80% will fill this out. And it, you know, the first question is, I love doing interviews, love giving away knowledge. You know, do you know anyone who does an interview, has a podcast or does a live? I get so many people, like 50, 60 suggestions, which I can't even handle. Like in the moment, like I do nothing with it. But then later on, after I've gotten booked on big shows, these shows, I find these people will book me very quickly. Like, oh yeah. How about next week? <laughs> or you want to do a live tomorrow? Like it's, oh, so I get to ha- fill in a lot of time really quickly. Um, I ask them what country they're in. I ask them if there's anything else they'd like to do, support the book. For my first book, which was back in 2017, my friend Kathy Fayok, who also is in the world of writing books and helping people market their books, she said, oh, I'll help you do a virtual book launch party. This is actually very ironic now because <laughs> at the time I didn't know anything about that. And she had the like webinar system and it was a webinar. Um, she had the registration process. She had an email list she sent it to. So she hosted me doing that. And that was because I sort of said, is there anything else? And then she said, yeah. So that form for me is another form of a yes, because I want people to really commit to this. So I feel like if they fill their email and then they get this form, they fill it out, like mentally they're preparing themselves to do a thing. Um, then I give them the advanced reader copy when that's ready. Um, within a, let's say a couple of weeks of the advanced reader copies, when I want them to send me a review, I have people send me the review, not send it to Amazon. I have them send the review before it's even published because, well, two things, one, uh, I want to know whether I'm close to meeting my goal. <laughs> uh, two, it's easier for people to separate that step from publishing it because a lot of us don't write reviews on a regular basis. So when we're facing, like, first of all, getting to the page, even where you write a review could cause some stress. And now you're facing a blank page and you don't know what to write. So I send them prompts. So I'll send the three or four bullets and say, answer two or three sentences and you're golden. And you don't have to read the whole book. Just like 
find that here's some sections I think you might, might find particularly helpful. The best part of my friends who are professional speakers have been, you know, doing Zoom for the last three years, getting paid. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, Robbie, I'll help you out because I understand the importance of doing this. I'm an author. And then they go, my God, I just read your book cover to cover. And they wrote four paragraphs <laughs> of a review because it was so helpful. And to me, that's really great because they're in a much better position now to refer me. Um, they then think of people that I should meet. They make connections. They invite me to be on podcasts. Like all these things happen because they really understand my work now and they learn things when they didn't think there was anything for them to learn, which that to me is like a sweet thing. Um, so I always do an event a few days before I want them to send me the review. So my second book, I, on like a Tuesday, it was the reviews were due to me on a Friday. So this is the early part, like not even everyone's in the launch team yet, right? This is the early adopters to the launch team. So I did a librarian-led book club discussion. So the book was about coaching and like, how do you identify your prospects within your network? And how do you build an audience before you try to launch something? So I have a friend who's libra you know, trained librarian. So she came and did that. This last time I did a free training. And the goal here is that even if people haven't read the book, they get to come and hear other people who read the book talk about the book. They get to learn concepts. They get to hear from people and they get excited about it. Honestly, they can write a review based on just that one experience, right? They don't like, but now they're feeling a little more motivated. I also want people to feel like they're part of a community. So it's not that I'm asking individual people to write reviews. It's that collectively we are going to accomplish this goal. I didn't write 200 reviews. Like we did that. And so I right away want people to feel like they're part of something. And I know the people who came to those early, like, events are the ones who are most likely to, to fill out the form and, and take action. And then I always do a, a virtual launch party. Now I know how to do it myself. And two weeks after my launch party, I also had a public version of a training. Um, for my launch party, I had two friends MC the second book. And for the third book, I had one friend come and MC because I was trying to be the guest of honor. So what I'm not mentioning are the hundreds of emails <laughs> and how I track people and whether or not they post the review but happy to answer that. Well, tell me how you um, get people from sending the review to you to posting the review on Amazon. So at first there is no Amazon because the book's not published yet, right? So I'm just collecting them. Now I, I made a mistake the first book. I knew about Google Forms, but I had people emailing me the reviews and then I was forwarding them to an assistant and it was a mess. So for second and third book, I basically set up another Google Form and I said, you know, here's the prompts, here's the place where you drop your text, any questions put below. And so they get populated into a spreadsheet. And what I do is then when it's ready, I then now merge that back to them with their review, with instructions. So I sort of say, okay, it's time to post your review. Now, at first I'm waiting a week or two before I'm sending it to them. But later on, you would send a review on a Wednesday. And that night I would send it back to you and say, hey, it's time to post your review. And I spell out all the steps, you know, go here, look, you know, don't stress about the title. Cause everyone's like, Oh my God, I didn't know it was going to be a title. <laughs> you know, like, don't worry about that. Can write anything you want. Um, and then I, I now merge in a field that has exactly what they sent me. Cause they can't remember what they, they wrote anyway. Um, so that's how I do that part. And then I track it showing up. So I ended up with sort of this three spreadsheets all together, but I ended up with two that I was in all the time. There's a spreadsheet of all the responses in the Google form. But then this last time I decided I would just pull a list from my 
my email provider. And I then manually kept track of new people after that. So I would get an email saying someone new signed up and I would just copy them over. Um, and then I had the reviews that came in. So then I was just like basically kind of crossing people off one list and then marking whether a review showed up because there are still 17 people who wrote a review, sent it to me and didn't post it on Amazon yet. Um, well, we're not going to name them on the show, right? No, we're not going to name them, but it's happened for all. I'm not that it's been always the same number, but it's always been a few people every time. Uh, I'll reach out one more time because I'm sure they thought they did it. But then there are people who wrote the review and then couldn't post it because they hadn't spent $50 on Amazon um, or Amazon doesn't come to their country. Right. Or something like that. And so, you know, they, they find out in the moment, but the review is already written. And so now I get to tell them, oh, here are other ways you could share that review. And of course, they can post it on Goodreads. They can put a post on social. They can write me a LinkedIn testimonial, uh, you know, recommendation. And so I've gotten the people who like couldn't do Amazon felt so bad. They then did all these other things um, that were really cool. So it's not yeah, that's amazing. So I have another curious question for you. So it has always been my experience that this all works better if you sent send print books, which is very expensive, as you might imagine. Um, but I'm pretty sure that you send PDFs. So talk to me a little bit about what you've seen with that. So I'm sending people the advanced reader copy when it's not final format. Like um, this last book, everything happened in such a time crunch. But basically, it was it was edited. <laughs> it was in a decent enough format. It was going to the formatter to be done beautifully. Um, and I sort of said, said that, like you're getting a little behind the scenes here. Um, and what I like about that is it's also one more chance to have someone point out something that's wrong, right? Particularly a technical book. Like the last book was very technical. And even though I had two people review it for technical errors, I found two places that should have been left or right or right instead of left. <laughs> like, um, so I was like, you know, hopefully someone will read this and find that before I've committed to publishing it. Um, I also don't like often delay the publish of the um, paperback until later. This last book, I actually did them the same time because it is a technical book and I knew a lot of people would really want the, the paper version. Um, but I focused the sales on the Kindle version in order to focus on getting number one. I've gotten number one now in 29, uh, 29 categories across three, uh, four countries. So, um, I've gotten better at that because the last time was 18. So 18 of that 29 was the last book. Um, so I haven't shipped out the book. In fact, I have a hundred or a little less than a hundred books in my office. I have the envelopes. I have the stamps. I, they all came in and I have, I have to come up with a plan to send them out, but I'll be sending them out to prospects for uh, events work, not so much to a launch team. Like the launch team got the ebook. I use book funnel. Um, my second book I shared, they got, we were able to download either a Mobi or a PDF. This last time it was just a PDF. And I also point out to people that they can use Speechify to listen to the PDF if they really want to. Um, and so some people did that and were happy to be able to listen to it. Um, so it's just to kind of get people engaged enough so that when the book is published, they're like willing to go buy it. Um, the first two times I, I had it free and then 99 cents. This last time it was a much bigger book. I, it was 2 dollars and I had one person who was like, you know, why did you do that? And I think her question was, you can do that. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I looked at it and I was like, this is three times the size of my first book, you know, 
and I, it was a very technical book and it's 10% of what I'm selling for as a paperback. I think it's okay. And I had no, no one question it, you know? So, um, but yeah, so those are some of the, some of the steps. So I'm curious about the issue of verified purchase versus not verified purchase. And quite often authors will get very worried about this. What is your perspective? You have to have a balance because you have too many unverified reviews. They will actually shut down getting reviews. And I just had it happen for a friend who was a product. Um, he was pushing to get reviews on Amazon and it, it, not enough people had purchased from Amazon because he has a product that's available other places. Um, so that's one of the reasons I want to have control over the price of the Kindle and be able to reduce it to, you know, 99 cents, $1.99, $2.99, something that seems reasonable because they got the PDF already. So now I want them to buy the book in order to leave a verified review. My first two books, I also had some free days. Um, so I did the Kindle um, KDP Select. I didn't do that this third book, um, but I did do it for the first two because again, I wanted to make it really easy. And as a $0 book when downloaded is actually counted as a verified review. Um, but the problem is that it gets then put into Kindle Unlimited. And for whatever reason, Kindle Unlimited books when when selected are not seen as verified reviews. So it gets things complicated because it's an extra step to explain to people like, yes, it's free, but you have to buy it. <laughs> Don't do the read for free because then you're, and it, I think that can kind of complicate things. So this last time I thought I'm just not going to, I'm going to skip that step, but I have gone through that a couple of times. So are you actually requiring that people buy the discounted ebook as part of your launch team, or is it a request? Tell me about how you frame that up. I mean, it's just one of the steps that I spell out, <laughs> you know, like I can't control what they do. Um, just like I, you know, the people who wrote a review and didn't post it, I can't control what they do, but I sort of say like, here are the steps and I explain why verified reviews are important. I think honestly, here's a question I often get, why are reviews even important? And, you know, especially the level that I'm pushing for. And I think when it's the first 50 reviews or even the first 100 reviews, it is about reviews. Um, I'm a podcast host. I get pitched people all the time to be on my show from these PR agencies and podcast placement companies. And I'm, I'm always amazed when I go and look at their books on Amazon, they have less than 20 reviews, especially when it's a book about networking, <laughs> which is a theme of my podcast. And I'm like looking to see whether I want to bring them on. And I'm like, wow, they didn't even bother to try to get their network to help them. <laughs> like how good are they at networking? Um, I see reviews as social proof on a sales page. And I think we should all aim for 50. And I say that because it takes effort to aim for 50. Like you have to create some systems to do that. And you will do much better than you even think you will if you set up some systems. It means asking. It means reminding. It means following up. And it means asking the right people. So one of the things I learned early on is that my best friends and my family weren't going to be the people who'd write reviews right away. They don't experience my work. They don't benefit from it. They don't even understand the importance of being an author and writing reviews and all this. The people who wrote reviews for my first book quickest, I had spoken in front of them five years earlier at a conference. I had a paper sign-up sheet at the door that I had, was collecting. I sent them a one-time email in order to get testimonials. I did not have an email list back then. They were never on an email list. They didn't hear from me for five years. And then I wrote them an email that said, do you remember croissants versus bagels? And then I let them know it was going to be a book. 
and asked them to join my launch team. And they were the first people to, to join the launch team and to write a review. My connection to them was very weak, but they understood what I did. They remembered it and they wanted to support it. And so this third time I was trying to think of people I wanted on my launch team who understood what I was trying to create with Zoom and who might have contacts or really understand the value of what I'm doing, which is why having friends who are professional speakers and trainers and MCs be on the team and actually get into the book was so exciting because they are the doorways to like lots of opportunity. And it, they're hard to impress. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 reviews, reviews. And then they're like, wow, this is actually really good. We're all stacks of books we have to read. But the fact they took time and they took time because I try to create sort of time-bound periods to focus on the book. So you get the ARC and then there's this free event. So that's one. And then there's like the push for the first, send me your review. So there's, a, there's like, I'm time-bounding that. I'm like, pay attention for these few, just for these few days. And I keep doing that. I keep basically moving the deadline a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I keep giving them reasons why it's not too late. It's not too late and then nurturing them through to the process of actually getting it online. It is never too late. <laughs> never too late. I've had several people ask me, is it too late, Robbie? I'm like, nope. I'm still, I'm aiming for 300 plus I, by the end of May. And um, when we are recording this, it's May. It just actually just happened. So I didn't hit it. But um, I had my last launch event. Um, I did another training. And then I did a book launch strategies masterclass which is one of the things I offer my launch team because I get so many questions about this and I wouldn't have time to do anything else if I met with people to share what I do. So I just say, if you are on the launch team, not whether you write a review, it's not tied to writing a review, but if you're on the launch team, which means you committed to writing a review, um, I invite people to be part of this and to come. And then I record it and I sell the, the masterclass to other people who were not part of my launch team, who didn't know about that. And I just spell it all out. And to me, that's, that was the close. Like, it's kind of funny to talk to you about this because now it's officially over. It was like multiple months, March, April, May. Yeah, it was like three months <laughs> of pushing. So a good launch, like, is not a one week. You know, it's, it's a multiple month process that happens from like a soft launch or pre-launch period through the launch, through even an, what, what does it keep going? And then the year anniversary, like you just keep finding reasons um, to bring it back up. Awesome. All right, Robbie. So I'm curious to hear of the Amazon reviews you have to date, how many are from your launch team and how many are organic? So I have found over the years that after you get to about a hundred reviews, a couple of things happen. One, Amazon starts to promote you in ways that I didn't know they would. I don't know exactly what it is, but I've had friends forward me emails with my book being featured um, as like a books you might like. Uh, which I don't, not something you're paying for. Just they see it as a book that's got sales. It has a hundred plus reviews. It seems to be about that number. Um, but then I also see that organic reviews start to come in. And I know that they're organic because I have everyone on my list <laughs> and I'm methodically during that time period, like trying to connect. And that's another reason <laughs> to ask people for their reviews in advance is that it's not always their name on Amazon. Sometimes it's another name, sometimes it's Amazon customer or Kindle customer. <clears throat> so I'm able to match back to them. But then there's always a, a couple dozen reviews that like I can't connect back to anyone at all. And it makes me realize like, oh, wow, like 
these are the people that are inspired to write reviews. Now, no one's inspired to write reviews when you have four reviews. <laughs> like it just seems like a book that no one cares about. But there is something about the energy. And, and then particularly when you get to 150, you get to 200 reviews. I feel like I've seen more organic reviews come in in the months later, at, way after the launch period. Like I've stopped talking about the launch and then reviews keep trickling in. Now, I did get the advice years ago, which I'm sure you probably have said as well, but the best way to sell your first book is to write a second. And my first book uh, was under 200 reviews, like 193. and just stuck there stuck there for like years and years and years. And then when I wrote this third book, now all my books got more reviews. So that's the other thing that happened. Like I didn't ask anyone to write reviews for my second book or my first book, but sales, you know, I saw a bump in sales for both those books. I saw reviews. So it is, it all works collectively <laughs> in a lot of ways, uh, even though they're very eclectic, they're not like, I mean, there's a theme of relationships and connection, but they're very different books. Thank you for that. That's really helpful. So at the end of every episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast, we always want to give authors one or two action steps that they can take immediately to share their book in a bigger way and reach a wider audience. So I'm curious, based on the content of our conversation, Robbie, what are one or two things that listeners could do today to get more Amazon reviews? Ask (laughs) and ask again, Um, but also get the right people on your launch team. And for that, I have a great exercise in my second book, Small List, Big Results, Launch a Successful Offer, No Matter the Size, Your Email List, which I think is really relevant here. Basically, my premise is that no matter the size of your email list, your network is always going to be bigger. So you heard me say that when I first started this, I only had 300 people on my, on my email list, and it, they weren't even the right people. So it wasn't the 300 people on my team, my, my email list that got you know, me to keep going. It was my wider network. So I have an exercise where you can go through your LinkedIn contacts or your Facebook contacts or whatever, your phone contacts, and you look for people who would you know, remember your name and you'd be happy to hear from them out of the blue. So they're people that you, you enjoy each other. Um, and if you fast pass those two criteria, then you look at their connection to you, their influence and their interest. And you give a one, two or three for each of those. So there's three different criteria, a one, two or three for their connection to you, their interest their influence and their interests. And then, you know, look at the people who score a seven, eight or nine and make sure you personally ask them to be involved in some way. Maybe they're going to be an endorsement for your book. Maybe they're going to be in your launch team. Maybe they're going to invite you to speak to their group and do a free pro bono, you know, session. Um, maybe they're going to invite you to get paid to speak somewhere, right? Like these people would, it would be such a shame for you not to talk to those people because they are the most interested and able to connect to the right people. And I think when we're building, we often think um, we're asking for help. Like, I guess there's a lot of inertia people have around asking for help. But in this context, if you do make the effort to ask the right people, you're actually helping them because you wrote a great book, right? And you believe in the value of the book. So not telling people about the book would be a shame. And in the world of fundraising, which is my roots, there's this phrase, that comes from Anonymous, and Anonymous has written some really great stuff, Becky. You should definitely look on, on, on online for that. But uh, Anonymous said, if you're afraid to ask for money, kick yourself out of the way and let the cause talk. And in this case, it's the same idea. It's like, if you're afraid to make the ask for the sale, afraid to ask for help with your book launch, like kick that, it's not about you. Like, don't make it about you and your angst. Think about the value of what you're creating 
and let that be the thing you shine forward. So I just think like uh, there's a mindset shift that I think a lot of people have to work on because you'll get, you'll build better teams. It doesn't have to be a big team. Honestly, 600 plus people was a behemoth. I'm not recommending everyone do that, but if you can get 150 of the right people, use the Dunbar principle. If you can get it right, 150 people, magic, magic will happen. It won't just be about the reviews, about the invitations. It'll be about the connections. The book should lead to something and their book launch should help that happen. Amazing, Robbie. You are just such a wealth of info and inspiration for our listeners. So before we wrap up our conversation, can you let our listeners know where they can stay in touch with you? And we will also, of course, have this in the show notes. RobbieSamuels.com is the home of everything I do. And I have this sort of uh, this uh, disclaimer there. It says, uh, depending on how you came across my work, you might be surprised to find out that I also. (laughs) So I am a multi- hyphenate, multi-passionate entrepreneur, uh, but it all lives there. My podcast, my TEDx, uh, my three books, the interview that NPR did with me. I've got a lot of good content there. And all three of my books have free bonus materials. So when you go to my website, you'll see it on the homepage and you can opt to get those materials. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. And if you do connect with me on LinkedIn, please send me a note saying you heard me here. Oh, I would love for uh, our listeners to do that, Robbie. So before we go, At this moment, when we're recording, I have 140 Amazon reviews. And Robbie just encouraged all of you to go ask for more Amazon reviews. And so I'm going to demonstrate that action in this moment. And if you have read my book, Reach, and have not yet left an Amazon review, Robbie has. Yay, Robbie. He's holding up my book right now. Uh, Would you take five minutes and leave an Amazon review for my book today? Thank you very much. And I'll uh, I'll go one step further. An easy review that is also a very helpful review is answering these two things. Something you learned from the book and who should read the book. That's it. You don't have to write paragraphs. If you write two or three sentences, something, some takeaway or some nugget, something that was like an aha, and then who do you think would benefit from reading this book? And that's a helpful review because the people who are considering reading your book, Becky, would see themselves or not see themselves in those reviews. And that will help them determine whether this book is for them. So it doesn't have to be complicated. (laughs) Just answer those two things. Awesome. So as always, I want to let you know that you can email me anytime, Becky at weavinginfluence.com, and I'll be thrilled to hear from you. Uh, Thanks again, Robbie, for investing this time on our show. And I look forward to our next episode together. My pleasure. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of Reach resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks.